and welcome back to Bumps and Besties. How are you doing this week, Amy? This week, I am, it's been a week, so I haven't really thought about the whole pregnancy stuff because I've had a super sick cat. Um, Oh, no. So, you know Stan? Stan's our latest rescue baby. He's actually the oldest of our three cats, and he is nothing but a walking vet that was animal. Love him to death, but he decided on Wednesday morning he was going to wake up at 4 o'clock and be very vocal and carry on, and nothing would comfort him. And then about 10 past 6, he had diarrhea all through my bed. So then I was stripping sheets and... It, you are so ready for mum. Well, that's what you're we already saying. doing. Like, this bed, he's preparing me for anything that a child can throw at me because we get shit, we get vomit, we get everything from this cat. So you've done it. You've done yeah. it all. So we're back on the getting stand to healthy bandwagon this week. Oh god. Yeah. yeah. No animals, and especially when you've rescued them, they're just they are your little babies. Oh, and he's like my shadow. Like yes. he's got anxiety as it is, so it has to be on me or touching me with me at all times that he knows I'm in the house. He's a high needs cat. He's a very high needs cat. He's a mummy's boy. So yeah. yeah, so add that on top of him not feeling well and it's it's a combination. Yeah. Oh, there was a little sleep this week. Oh no. Yeah. And your week? My week has been really busy. It has definitely been a transition week. So around that nine month mark, a lot of babies will swap the way that they do their naps. So we've gone from a three nap schedule to a two nap schedule, which has been really tricky in terms of finding a schedule that works. So like everything I do in motherhood, I Googled nine month sleep schedule to work out how to change his schedule because I just was finding him really hard to get down for his usual naps in the time frame we had been doing, which was on a six month nap schedule. So he was ready. Yeah, he was certainly ready. I was finding it just too hard to get him down. He wasn't tired when I was expecting him to. So we've had a bit of transition of trying new nap times i feel like we've got it down pat at the moment but because he's going through so many developmental leaps and he has obviously he's crawling so he's really big on movement at the moment so we have really struggled to calm him enough to be in a position even when he's really tired to go to sleep so every time he goes down to sleep even if it's a day nap i have to literally milk bottle in a dark room and then pick him up and cuddle and coo and shush and rock until he falls asleep and i'm sure there's lots of mums going don't do it don't do it (laughs) but he will not settle himself and to be honest having him fall asleep on me every time he goes down to sleep because it's only three times it's the two naps and then going down to bed and I don't always do the bedtime one because sometimes ash is home and he wants to do it it's actually been really nice yeah Like I spoke last week about the weaning blues and I do miss that because when they're little and especially when they're newborns, like they will often feed to sleep Mm -hmm. and, you know, all the sleep specialists say don't do that. But I have just missed that time of feeling him fall asleep and they go all floppy and he nuzzles his little head into my neck and it's just beautiful. So I'm very tired, but <laughs> but that's nice. And that it is really time nice. out of your day where you get to spend, you know, that one-on-one time with him. And Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it makes it all worthwhile. Because one day he won't need it. One day his <laughs> mum go away. So. <laughs> I keep saying that every time I feel a little touched out or overwhelmed, I'm like, when he's a teenager, he's not even going to want to look at me let alone have me snuggle him to sleep so I'm just (laughs) soaking in every second I can right now (laughs) 
Oh, God. Alrighty. Well, today we're going to talk about overcoming a needle phobia. So incredible. I don't know how you've done this. <laughs> talk me through it. For anyone who knows me um, and knows me well, I am the kind of person, like when I say needle phobia, it took medication, mm-hmm. I would hyperventilate, mm-hmm. I was someone who would avoid any kind of needle at any cost. I couldn't look Absolutely. at them, I couldn't talk about them. It was a really, really intense situation. And I didn't ever think I could do IVF because of this needle phobia. Yeah. So I guess starting at the beginning, as long as I can remember from childhood, I've never been someone who can handle needles. You know, you get them in high school, mm-hmm. I would have to be taken into a separate area so I didn't wow. call them massively seen and upset anyone else who were having them in high school. Yeah. Sidebar, were you in the group of young women who were given the cervical cancer oh, yeah. vaccinations? Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is literally like you're in a stock line yeah. and they just line up arms and start jabbing as they Moving go. Moving through your so. multi-purpose area one by one. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So they soon realised after trying to do that to me the first time it wasn't going to happen our school nurse quickly said okay you need to come and see me at needle time because you're not going to cope with that and like I had what I had to at school but it was definitely a battle I went overseas and it's this distinct memory of you know you've got to have some vaccinations before you travel yeah um walking into the doctor's office going into the nurse's area getting ready for this vaccine and there would have been this small child and they would have been four or five like I'm guessing they were getting their going to school needles Mm -hmm. kind of thing and I was sobbing and I was hysterical and this kid was looking at their parent like they asked what was wrong with me what's what's wrong with the lady because I was so hysterical (laughs) and I was like it was too hysterical to be embarrassed but in hindsight like this small child saw me have a meltdown and was like what is going on with her like Like, is this a really scary thing should i be telling yeah and so i just avoided needles at absolutely any cost uh i you know and it doesn't sound great but there was a period of my life especially when i moved out of home when i lived by myself or had flatmates where i wouldn't have a flu shot i wouldn't have any kind of blood test like there was a good few years where no one was coming near me with anything yeah it just wasn't gonna happen yeah absolutely Um, there was no one to force me there was nothing on the schedule i had to have so Mm -hmm. i was done that was me out i was never having a needle like i'll never have another needle for the rest of my life people used (laughs) to say to me one day you might want to be a mum, and i was like yeah whatever you know they did it back in the day without needles i'll do it all natural Well, did I know? Oh, no. um, you know, maybe I jinxed myself. Maybe when people kept saying to me, one day you might want to be a mum, and I kept telling them I'd do it naturally, I did this because the universe was like, you can have the last laugh, lady. Not at but- all. Because even if you don't go through IVF, you are still getting blood tests continuously throughout. Yeah. So if you didn't want to have any needles, you had to like go and live in the woods or something to have your baby. Yeah. So th- that was the plan though. That was going to remove myself <laughs> from to the woods and go to have my baby. I'm going to do it like 1700 style. Like, no one come and find me. I'm just not doing this. So yeah. So like there was one instance too, where I had just, I'd only been with my husband for a very short period. And I used to get this we don't know if it's an anxiety attack or what it was, but I used to get this pain and like in my chest and my ribs and I couldn't breathe. Happened a few times as a kid and a couple of times as an adult. But I remember very distinctly it happening very early on to our relationship and him taking me to the hospital and me being so hysterical they could not cannulate me. And oh my God. I think for me, like one of the things that I hate as someone who doesn't like needles is when someone says to you, oh, but you can't feel it. You can feel it. And being lied to, I'm saying in inverted commas, um, makes it worse. Like Mm -hmm. it may not be the worst pain in the world, but going, oh, you can't feel it. 
just invalidate it that. You. It's, yeah. It's, I don't trust the person then who's going to be sticking something in me because you lied to me. Like, yeah. that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so coming into adulthood, we started to realise, you know, there was going to be some occasions where I was going to have to have an injection or a blood test or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we realised that the only way that that was going to happen was my GP would schedule it in advance, I would be prescribed Valium, mm-hmm. my husband would take the day off work, mm-hmm. and we would time it very carefully. So I would take my Valium, he would take me, I would still sob and cry and have a meltdown, mm-hmm. but it would get done and I wouldn't just hide myself away and lock the door. Yeah. So it was still an ordeal, although, you know, and it was a just if we had to have a needle conversation. Yeah. It wasn't something where I would voluntarily go. Yeah. So we started having more blood tests, obviously, when the ovulation induction medication, when we realised fertility was going to be a concern. Yeah. And one of the very first conversations my GP had with me was, okay, you don't deal with needles and there's going to be quite a few of these going forward. Like, you need to make a choice. Like, if we're going to continue with this fertility journey, you are going to have a hell of a lot of blood tests. You're probably going to have injections. It's just the way it's going to go. Yeah. So GP's amazing. She is. She's wonderful and I love her. I hate that she's so hard to get into these days. That's why she's she's difficult, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I started seeing um, an OB gin at Pindara and she was lovely and she was very much the same. As we do these ovulation inductions, we're going to have to do a blood test, a test that you have ovulated or if you're close to, all this kind of thing. They obviously have their own pathology unit mm. at the hospital. Well, I was not having a bar of it. I would leave <laughs> the hospital with my pathology form and drive across town to the pathologist at my GP's office because she was the only person allowed to take my blood. So... She was the only person I was comfortable with that I would allow to do so. Yeah. So, you know, like, it seemed silly. I could have had this done all in one place, but I was just not having a bar of it. There was one day where I did go in there and it... They had a student pathologist oh, no. who couldn't find a vein and dug of around. Of all the people. Of yeah. all the people to do it for you. And I walked out and I was like, no, you know what? You've given this a go. I'm out. I'm going back to my old pathologist. Yeah. You're not doing this to me. Totally understandable. So, yeah. So, shout out to Sam. Love her. She's wonderful. <laughs> so, then I got to the point that I could... After a little while, I got to a point where I could drive myself. I didn't need to be valiumed to go, but I would still cry. I would still sob and feel the anxiety come over mm. me as it was going to happen. So it was like having a massive panic attack. The first needle I t- voluntarily took myself into the doctors for was a flu shot and MMR booster. So we were on a break between ovulation induction cycles mm-hmm. and they do a test for immunity. So your previous vaccines, make yeah. sure you've got them. And we found that my body wasn't holding the immunity to the MMR, which is measles, mumps, rubella. Yes, which is so important. <laughs> so important. Very much recommended to have it before you get pregnant. Absolutely. Um, if you don't catch it in time, because most people's bodies will hold on to the vaccine for many years. Mm. You, you know, there's a handful of people whose bodies don't and you have yep. to have them more regularly. Fun fact, my husband, who works in health, cannot hold the MMR. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy, but, you know, it's just the way it is for some people. Mm. So we, they said to me, like, you know, you're on a break currently between cycles. We would highly recommend having this done before you yeah. try again rather than waiting until baby is here because that would be more dangerous for baby. Absolutely. We recommend doing it now. So I guess in my mind I'd already decided that fertility was my main goal and I was like, that's it. I'm going to go and I'm going to have my MMR booster and I'm going to have my flu shot at the same time. I'm going to get them Great done idea. and dusted. Yep. That doesn't work like that. Yep. You can't have a flu shot at the same time as your MMR vaccine. I walked in. Because it's a hardcore. Yeah. And, you know, 
and if you get side effects and all this kind of thing, you know, if you've had them before, like I'm quite sensitive skinned as it is, so mm. I get swollen and sore and fluey and just yeah. generally feel like crap for a few days. Yeah. But I had this plan that I was going to go in and they were going to put one in each arm and I was going to be done. And my GP was like, that's mm. not going to happen. You'll have to come back in a couple of weeks mm. to get a flu shot. So, oh, well, like I've done it. I can do. I don't like it, but I've done it. Yeah. So I did that. I was like, well, baby is more important. Yeah, absolutely. And just a side note for anybody that's like, oh, why would you even bother, blah, blah, blah. If you have a look at the research, there have been some pretty scary spikes of measles, mumps and rubella happening in areas where the rate of vaccination is really low. Yeah. And it is potentially deadly to babies and young unvaccinated children. I know, and in the last couple of years, it's yeah. become, you know, much more prevalent than it was. We'd almost managed to, you know, make it dormant as a society and, you know, it's come and then, back with a yeah, vengeance. Unfortunately, with people feeling like they don't want to vaccinate, it has come back into the community and posed a threat again. And uh, I'm sure you're in the same boat. Like, the risk does not uh, equate to, oh, I don't want to get a needle. Yeah, no, for me, like, I, I said, like, it came down to we highly recommend almost like we are hesitant to let you continue your fertility yeah. journey unless you do this because it is so dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, we were coming into COVID times just starting exactly. and there was yeah. all this scary stuff going around and it was like, well, you know, MMR. You, do what you can. Yeah. It's a simple shot, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to work this hard for a baby and then have it get seriously unwell yeah. or worse happen because I couldn't handle an injection. Yeah. So, you know, it's something, it's definitely something that, most if not all medical health care providers will yeah. tell you you need yeah. to do. I think most GPs, especially if you're having medical intervention to help you get pregnant, will certainly push back and say, look, this is something we highly recommend. And if you guys have a look at the pamphlet, it's pretty scary. I don't think anyone would wish that upon their, their little bubbers. No, exactly. So it's all about keeping baby safe. Yeah. So, yeah, so I did that. And then we got through the ovulation induction and we did a few more cycles and we realised that wasn't going to work for me. So then we moved on to the IVF injections. So it was the middle of COVID. There wasn't really an option for my husband to attend appointments with me. It was at all costs. Everyone needs to stay away from the clinic. So... I was. I asked if he could come and be shown how to do the injections, and they were very hesitant. And mm. we, we don't usually do that. I even asked my nurse if she'd do my first one for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and she yeah. was like, "Oh, you're so sweet. Like, if you absolutely have to and you need some support, like, where there are services yeah. out there, but like, it's really something you need to be comfortable yeah, with doing. Like, yeah. you know." You have to do these injections at all weird times of day. It's not something you can... And it's every can, day, right? Yeah, it's every day. And you can't rely on a healthcare provider. Like, Saturdays and Sundays, there would have been no one to help me. Yeah. Like, it just was something I had to overcome. So the ones you start with are the follicle-stimulating hormones. So they come in one of those pens you see. Someone's mm-hmm. what a diabetic has. It's a very small needle. It's the smallest of any injection mm-hmm. you can give yourself. They're the easiest. So how does it work? It's got a little clicker and mm-hmm. you just click the dosage ticker over until it's at your right dose. Mm-hmm. Um, you squeeze the fatty area in your tummy, mm-hmm. poke it in, push it down, hold it down until dosage is released and pull it out. Okay. Yep. If you do it and you hold still, you don't, so you don't get as much bruising and swelling. Sure. So I think because I was so terrified, I was actually almost like frozen in fear. Mm-hmm. I didn't move around. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't get as much scarring from my needle so far as I would have expected. Yeah, that's good. Um, 
So, yeah, so in the beginning, Gary was leaving for work at around 6 o'clock each morning, so earlier than I was. So the plan was, was that I would get up and I would get all the injections ready. I would get my ice pack ready. I'd have a heat pack ready for afterwards. Everything would all be lined up, ready to go. And when he was almost ready to go for work, he'd come and quickly do the injection. Yeah. That's how the first day went. And yeah. I, we had like an L-shaped kitchen and I literally backed myself into a corner so I couldn't run away or move. Oh, wow. <laughs> so if you think like my back pushed up against the V of the kitchen benches so yeah. I couldn't jump, I couldn't recoil or anything like that. I just had um, to deal with it. Literally backed into a corner so it had yeah. to be done then so that that's what happened the first day the second day so when that happened you didn't have any panic attack it's so no I, I was I was definitely anxious mm -hmm. um it took a few I guess it was probably only a few minutes in mm -hmm. hindsight for me like and he asked me do you want to do this like we don't have to do this mm -hmm. like it's completely your choice like what do you want to do yeah and I was like, no, we have to. Like, you know, I've got an ice pack. I've numbed it. I shouldn't feel it. It's fine. Like, yeah. we're going to do this. Although, you have many piercings, can I just say? <laughs> it's different. I feel like getting your ears pierced. Like, I don't, I know some people do it with a needle, but the clinic, oh, not the clinic, the piercing place I went to, I, like, I got my ears pierced three times in each side as a teenager. So mm. they had the gun and it just felt hot. What about your belly button? Oh, that was a different story. Uh, I yeah. couldn't look at that. Because yeah. um, I almost fainted when I got mine. Yeah, I, I I, think the clamp was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Again, I don't know how they do it these days, but yeah. I was 16 and I think the clamping was so uncomfortable. I didn't even realise the needle had gone through. Yeah. And I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, well, you know. Like, I'm, I'm going to look so cool. All my friends, I'm going to have this belly bar. And fun fact, I only took that out probably about 18 months ago. Yeah, yeah, right. So wow. I took mine out years ago, and when I was pregnant, I ended up getting little stretch marks on my scar. Oh. So I have like this little reindeer belly button Cute. mark now. So it's got two little antlers and then my belly bar scar. It's funny because I never <laughs> planned on taking it. Like I never thought about it. I just had yeah. this thing in my body for like 10 years. And I was yeah. like, well, you know, IVF and fertility makes you put on a fair bit of weight, which I have. So I wasn't really wearing swimwear or mm. no one was seeing it and I honestly forgot it was there half the time yeah. and then it was only that my acupuncturist actually said to me you know in Chinese medicine that's a big no-no we really? recommend taking that out and I was like wow. well no one's seeing it like I'm, I'm not young and thin and beautiful so we had to come <laughs> you are all those things you are a wonderful person so yes so back to the IVF the first day it was a little bit anxious mm -hmm. I was a little bit teary but we did it we yeah. got through it it was fine the second day same thing I got up I got everything ready Gary was asleep and I was like you know what and I was standing there and I was waiting for his alarms to go off and I was like yesterday wasn't so bad mm -hmm. like I couldn't feel it like if I put the ice pack on and then the needle in straight away mm -hmm. I, I honestly couldn't feel it like yeah, I said right. I, I carry a bit of extra weight these days anyway so I was lucky I had a little flabby bit I could put it in so I'm just gonna give this a go like, yeah I'm gonna back myself Is this one you recorded yeah yeah so I was like I'm just gonna make see I'll see if I have that video and if I can share it for you guys if I still have it on my phone I did everything and I got myself ready and I was like let's just see how we go and lo and behold, I managed to stab myself with this yeah, tiny, minuscule little needle. And I actually exclaimed, eh, yeah. Like, yeah. I was so proud of myself. Yeah. I, and Gary thought I'd hurt myself. He was like, oh, oh my God, God, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Because I'd woken him up. And yeah. he was like, are you, what's going on? And I was like, I did it. Yeah. I, I gave myself my own injection. Yeah. Like, I did it. It's only yeah. a baby needle, but I did it. 
so um, amazing so here's me at six o'clock in the morning dancing around my kitchen that i actually <laughs> held a needle looked at a needle and put it in my own body it's like i think it's a huge step like that yes. is just wild look it's less than two centimeters long it's a very thin needle but from someone who five years earlier would have valium hyperventilate Absolutely. be crying and rocking on the floor if you showed me a needle mm-hmm. it was a massive step so yeah it was it was good so we did all that and so these follicle stimulating hormones in this pen you usually have for about a week before you start your second needles now the second needle is a bit more biting okay. so it's a thicker needle it's the one that stops you ovulating too early oh so okay once we've grown the follicles we don't want those follicles to naturally ovulate before we harvest them of course yeah. so this needle is often someone you either do up yourself from a little jar or mm-hmm. it can come pre-done mm-hmm. but it's about double the thickness Ooh, um, okay. and it can it's thick even yeah. though you know yeah. i would numb it i could still very much feel it was it sort of like similar to a needle that would draw blood that kind of thickness um i would say probably even maybe a tiny bit thicker than the ones oh, i wow. have so okay i think yeah. it varies depending on brand that you're yeah, prescribed sure. and that kind of thing but i could definitely feel that it stung a bit more than mm-hmm. any other needle i'd had pretty yeah. much um except maybe a tetanus shot because those things hurt that is the worst they are ridiculous oh my like, god I, i'm very lucky i've not ever had to have a booster i've not cut myself on anything i did but... when i was 21 and it hurt so badly yeah. i stood up from the table and felt super woozy and the gp's like are you all right and i was like yeah i'm fine fainted completely backwards smashed my head onto his carpet woke up and threw up in his sink <laughs> and i didn't have a problem with needles oh <laughs> like i give blood regularly yeah. i don't have a problem with needles but they're just so Tetanus bad not nice oh um, my god but yeah so these injections i would say are probably the ones I have are worse second to a tetanus shot. Okay, sure. So they were quite thick. So we went through the same process we did as we first started the very first needle mm-hmm. where Gary was going to do it because there was no way I was putting that knee yeah. in me and it was just not going to happen. So yeah, he did that. And then same thing, second day, I was like, you know what? I think I can do this. Like, I'm not going to wake my husband up 10 minutes early every morning. Mm-hmm. He works very hard. He's got a very physically intense job. Mm-hmm. Surely I can overcome this and be a big girl and give myself this needle. Um, so I did. So it's amazing. You just came around and mind to it. Mm. Yeah. And look, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't a pretty sight. I was shaky. I was still a bit teary. I was very much still anxious about it, but I got through it. And each one got slightly easier. Like yeah. I knew what was coming. Yeah. I had the expectation. And I also knew that it was over and done with yeah. in a couple of minutes. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was fine. Yeah. So, yeah. So the third needle you get in the sequence is a trigger shot, which is a pen again, okay. like your yeah. first needle. So by that point, I was quite comfortable with that size needle yeah. and I was sure I could do it. So after this, I started having blood tests. Now, they were at minimum once per week, but yeah. often every two to three days apart. So yeah. as they're That's tracking... a lot. Yeah. As they're tracking your hormones, especially once you are pregnant and if you have issues with your HCG levels, like mm-hmm. I was, they need to monitor those every 48 to 72 hours. Yeah. So I was having blood tests Monday, Wednesday, Friday for mm-hmm. a very long time. Um, and I don't love blood tests. They're still something I... I think my veins are almost non-existent. Anyone will tell you. So (laughs) if you look at my arms, you basically can't see my veins at all. Um, 
90% of medical professionals who try and find my veins cannot do so. It's crazy. It's not a fun time. There's one nurse at my clinic who can get it every time without fail. She's That's great. amazing. Um, so just her. Yeah, she's just her. Great. So I'll go in and the other nurses will either give it a go or they'll just go, you know what, we're going to go grab her. We'll be back shortly. Yeah. <laughs> they, they know. That's good. That's um, good. I think there was only one time she was away that day and my veins weren't playing ball and the nurse who was on duty had to give it like three or four goes. Oof. And I was like, this is not working out for us. No. Like we, but we powered through, we got Good there girl. and that was yes. that. Um, so, and you know, I do everything in the lead up that you're supposed to do. I drink mm-hmm. all the fluids. I have the heat packs on me. Like, yeah. And then you get there and they're always like, mm, have you drunk yeah, water have, today? Have you- and you're like, I have to pee so bad, lady. You have no idea exactly. how much water's in my body. I was body. like, I'm not a big fluid drinker normally, but trust me, like, I have drunk two liters of water in the two hours I've been awake. Yeah. I went to bed drinking water. I've been up every two hours peeing. I am hydrated. Yeah. My needles, my veins just suck. Like, yeah. it just, it's the way it is. Um, I had an iron infusion recently. It, how did that go? It took uh, four doctors wow. 20 minutes wow. to cannulate me for that. Wow. So, we had the nurse and she started trying and she said to me, look, I'm not going to stab you time and time again until I feel like I'm confident I found something, I'll do it. And then, you know, we're oh just going to take it slow. You need to be cannulated under ultrasound. Oh, that's what it's you need. ridiculous. Oh, like, my God. It's so insane. You're like, do you have an interventional radiologist on hand? <laughs> Please. Please. I need one immediately. <laughs> But, yeah, so this nurse tried and she couldn't get it. So then the pathologist from the attached clinic came in and she was like, oh, like, it's a different vein to where they take blood from, yeah. where they cannulate. Yeah. And she was like, oh, you know, I, I can't find one either. The doctor stuck their head in. They were like, nope, sorry, like, you're in the best hands with them. I can't do this. Then it turns out they had a training doctor who was actually a paramedic. And they there were you like, he's cannulated in the field. Like, yeah, I mean, that's can do thing, you, right? Like, right? Your, your general doctors aren't doing the cannulations every day because the nurses do it. Yeah. So the nurses are generally the, the top tier cannulators. Yeah. So they were like, well, you know what? The only person more equipped than our nurse is this paramedic. Like, Absolutely. He's been to people in car accidents who've been Absolutely. cannulating on the side That's of the amazing. road. Like, he can do this for you. And they were so confident. And the poor young training doctor could not find a vein. Oh. Um, he was trying All in the, the back of my forearm. We tried in my hands. We tried in my el- There was no veins coming through. Nothing was playing ball. In the end, the nurse actually sat back in and she found one in my wrist. And she was like, now sit very still because it's taken us so long oh, to get no. this vein. We don't yeah. want to ruin it. But Did yeah, you still- bruise afterwards? No, surprisingly not. So I well was done, terrified going so infusion. My GP was on annual leave and she had mentioned to me earlier in the year last year that I may need an iron infusion mm-hmm. um, because of the miscarriage, basically. I yeah. lost a lot of blood. And at the time I was like, if I can avoid being cannulated, I'm going to do so. Yeah, of course. So I put it off and put it off. I had some severe sun poisoning, you probably you recall, did. a couple oh, months later. Horrible, you poor thing. I, I've never seen anything like that. Neither. I didn't know sun poisoning was a thing, but my entire face puffed up like a balloon. It was crazy. It was not good. And the craziest part was we were in the rain on a cloudy day watching my husband's cousin play football. And we actually complained about how cold it was and that we needed jackets and that it was raining and somehow I managed to get so burnt. So burnt. So I went to this doctor and my eyes puffed up and I couldn't see out of one of my eyes because they were so swollen. 
but I couldn't get into my normal GP. Mm. So I went to this doctor locally and they'd gone through, you know, all this. They had to test my kidneys just to make sure it wasn't yeah. some underlying problem and it was the sun. So they did all that. And when my test came back, she went, oh, you're very close to being anemic. Like, you should probably keep an eye on that. Mm. Yep, yeah, sure, fine. And then I got to a point about a month later where despite eating a high-protein and iron-rich diet and taking all my oral supplements, I was feeling like I could not get out of bed in the mornings. Like, I just had zero energy. So I went back, and again, I couldn't get into my GP, and she'd started annual leave by this point. And I knew I couldn't see her for four to six weeks. Oh, my God. So I went into this other GP, and I was like, look, this is the situation let's read in my bloods and they came back and she's like you are well and truly clinically anemic like yeah. you need yes you need some kind of support here she was quite hesitant to do an iron infusion so i don't know if it was just the fact that she didn't know my medical history as yeah. well um, but she was very much oh surely there are other ways we can try and rectify this first and yeah. which is so interesting like it, it i think it definitely varies doctor to doctor because mm. when i was pregnant I wasn't officially anemic, but I was certainly struggling with my iron levels. And my OB sent me to a hematologist straight away. And he was like, let's get you an iron infusion. Had one towards the end of my pregnancy. He checked on me in the hospital, ran my bloods again before I left and went, you need to have one again before you leave if you're happy. Like, obviously, they always leave it up to you. Yeah. But it's just such an interesting dynamic, whereas... My treating team were absolutely, let's get you all the support you need because iron absolutely plays such a big part of, like, how much energy you have and how... And you can't function. Like, if you're someone who's anemic or has had super low iron for whatever reason, like, the feeling of just not being able to do anything, like, it's it's crazy. And it's really frustrating because mentally you're like, I want to be able to get up and do my life. Yeah. But your body's just like, no. (laughs) But yeah, so for whatever reason, this GP was not very pro-iron infusion and she was she was reading me the risks and she was reiterating the risks and she's like, you know, this can happen and, you know, you can have permanent staining, it could cause this. And I got quite scared yeah, because she out. was very much telling me all the negatives that could happen from this where that, that was the emphasis, like, mm. are you sure you want to do this? Like, yeah. this is serious. And I was like, oh, my God, like, maybe I don't want to do this. Yeah. So... We d- I did eventually and feeling 100 times better. Yeah. Not perfect. I will probably need another one in the next couple of months, yeah. but feeling definitely improved. Yeah. So I had this iron infusion. It was an ordeal. My husband commented to me, he's like, you did so well. He's what? like, you know, for someone who you saw the needle because mm-hmm. they were moving all around mm. you, you know, they stabbed you three times before they found the right vein, you know, they weren't confident. They started to get to a point where they were unsure if they could do this. And I actually said at one point, I, I can go. Like, I yeah. can go to the hospital or something. Yeah. Like, we can do this another day. Um, the nurse was lovely. She was like, no, we are not giving up on you. Like, oh, we're yes, going to get this done. So and she was like, well, you know, if you have it done here, you probably will only need to be here for an hour or so. Yeah. If you go to the hospital, they will make you sit there for the full four hours. Oh, yeah. Because that's how they do things. Yeah. So. Because it's protocol. Yeah. She's like, at the end of the day, we're just going to save you some time. We're going to get this done. Like, I've not had one of these beat me yet. We're going to cannulate you. Yeah. And they did. Um, albeit I squeezed my husband's hand till it almost went. <laughs> and they were like, stop squeezing. If you tense up, you're going to make it worse. And I was like, you've stabbed me in all the places. And I've been 
been here for 40 minutes and I'm not enjoying oh, this. Yeah. Don't tell me not to tense. <laughs> um, I feel tense. <laughs> exactly. So that was my last probably. So yeah, I still get anxious when it comes to blood tests and cannulations because it very much depends on the nurse or doctor who is doing it. Yeah. Um, how confident they are with someone who doesn't have great veins. And I guess if they're not confident, then I start to get more anxious. Of course, so yeah. I can go and have a blood test at my clinic if that main nurse is on. No problem. I can walk in and the anxiety drips away because yeah. I know she's going to get it. And I don't know, maybe if others got it the first few times, I would start. I guess yeah. it makes their job easier yeah, too, if I feel like that because the pathologist at my GP's office, who I've seen for the longest time, is the same. There's no anxiety going to see yeah. her anymore. Like yeah. These two ladies are brilliant. Um and I will always go to them if I can help it because yeah. they just make it such an easy process. Yeah. But it's such a gamble with other yeah. healthcare professionals and their confidence and my confidence and it's just a bit of a muddy puddle. Oh, I so get that. Yeah. So, yeah, so I can do it. I don't cry and cause a scene. Occasionally if it's someone like the team who were trying to cannulate me recently that couldn't, I get a bit teary and I still yeah. get anxious, but nothing like I used to. And now you get acupuncture too. Yeah, I get acupuncture, <laughs> which again, you can feel it. Like I would say certain points, like my ankles, even though it's bony, you can yeah. obviously feel it a bit more. And occasionally it's like a bit of a sting or a prick and I, you know, mm -hmm. it's not fun and I don't like the feeling at all. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if it's potentially going to help me have a baby, then, you know, yeah. eight out of 10 needles I can't feel. And once they're in, the sting is gone and yeah. I just like super still and they're flexible. I yeah. didn't know that about acupuncture needles. Yeah. Like, they're bendy. Like, yeah. it's actually not as bad as I thought. Um, there was one day where I was not seeing my regular acupuncturist. I saw mm -hmm. another one and he had forgotten he'd placed a needle in my top of my head. Oh, my God. <laughs> and luckily there was a mirror in the room. I was like, there's a needle in my head. But I didn't pass out. I didn't cry. I was just like, there's something in my head. And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me grab that. And old me wow. would have fallen to the floor and gone, oh, my God. But new me was just like, hmm, can we just get rid of this thing? And they was like, oh, do you want to take it out? Or I was like, no, no, you can. I'm, no. Leave no. it to the professional. <laughs> you can needle poker. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if we do have to go into another egg collection process and mm -hmm. start all over again. So we have one frozen embryo left, yep. which we will do, and we will go through all that. And if this doesn't work or if it does and we decide we want to try for a second, I'll have to start the process again. Yeah. Now, part of me wonders if because it's been six months since I lasted that, whether I'll go back to being more anxious because okay. I haven't been doing it recently. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, I haven't had to inject myself for almost six months. Mm -hmm. The exposure is not there as much as it was previously, yeah. but I still think I could do it. Like, yeah. I, it might take me a couple of goes to get into it, but I'm yeah. sure I could do it. And I, it won't be anywhere near as hard as the first time. The, you know, I voluntarily had a needle when you felt pregnant with Ted. I had my pooping cough booster. You did, booster. and I'm so appreciative. You know, there are, there are reasons in life that you are important enough to overcome these things, whether it's my baby, your baby, a combination. Like, it's just something where I had to make these choices. Did I want to live my life and be able to do these things or did I want to, you know, I, I could have very much chosen to not proceed with any kind of fertility yeah. path and to stay away from needles. I could have stayed away from Ted for many months on end, but, you know, I didn't want to miss out on potentially having my own child. I didn't want to miss out on seeing your baby. Yeah. So there are things we do to make life easier. Yeah. 
I think exposure therapy, they call it. So just something happening over and over. I've heard a lot of people do it when it comes to driving after you've been in an accident, just getting behind the wheel again. Really, the more you do it, the more comfortable you become with it. Now, Mm -hmm. it took a couple of years to get from where I was to where I am now. I'm still not walking in voluntarily, sticking out my arm and going, here, prick me. I'm never going to be someone who is completely okay with it but I'm much better and I can live my life and I can do all that. And it's just a little bit of anxiety. At the end of the day, it took a number of years and an even larger number of needles, but it did work. So I guess if you're someone who's put off IVF or even, you know, ovulation induction style medications because of a needle phobia, it can be done. Like it takes some time. Um, it require you know, even ovulation inductions require blood tests and often a trigger. So it's not just IVF, like most fertility and as you said, pregnancy journeys too. Oh yeah, you get stabbed with so many needles during your pregnancy because they do run those blood tests and say, okay, well, you don't hold uh, any immunity to this or that. I had a few things that I ended up having to get needles for because we weren't sure if I'd had it or if I just didn't hold the immunity. So... I didn't want to run any unnecessary yeah. risks. And then, you know, the iron infusions, you get your blood taken every couple of weeks to make sure everything's progressing the way it, it should, especially in the early days yeah. because you've got to track that um, HCG level, which you've spoken about before. So, yeah, unfortunately, whether you get pregnant naturally or whether you get pregnant with assistance, you are going to yeah. need to overcome some needle issues. But it can be done. Yeah. Like I was probably one of the worst-case scenarios. I probably if I hadn't have gotten through the exposure therapy might have looked to hypnotherapy because it's something else I've heard works wonders for people um I was lucky that I had the time and I just managed to work through it yeah but it can be done so if you're someone who's you know put things off and think that can never happen that was me like I was like this is never going to happen yeah I'm not going to be able to let anyone else inject me every day let alone do it myself and lo and behold years later here we are yeah it can be done it's hard work but you can do it And do you think like mentality behind it, like your mind shifted because you were like the motivating factor there is having my own baby? Do you think that played? Yeah, I think, you know, there being a goal at the end definitely helps. I wouldn't have done it for no reason. Like if someone said, hey, do you just feel like overcoming the needle phobia? I would have told them to go jump. Yeah. (laughs) Or if it was like just a matter of like your own health, do you think like being able to take yourself outside of it and say, well, my body is not just for me, it's also for my baby yeah like i think for a long time as i said like i put off having my own flu shots and stuff like i didn't take care of my body and i've worked always in very people facing roles you mm. know i worked in hospitality and then i worked in finance similarly to a bank where we had customers coming into yeah. the branch all day so i've always been in roles where you interact interact with the public And I know the importance of things like a flu shot. Like a number of my previous employees have offered it as part of our salaries because it is such a protective thing. Oh, absolutely. Especially in somewhere as densely populated as the Gold Coast. (laughs) And it's a lot of tourists here as well. So you're having people come in and out from lots of different countries, bringing in lots of different things. Yeah. So, you know, I... 
for a long time, my health was not a priority in that sense. It was like, just take a gamble and be done with it. So I don't think I ever would have gotten through it for my own sake, which is sad to say. I Mm -hmm. would just live with it. But when it came down to, okay, if you want to have a family, this is what has to happen. It's like, well, hang on a second. Being a mum has been one of my biggest goals my entire life. I've always pictured myself as a mum. So it's like, well, it's what has to happen. I have to work through this. And it's it's a slow process, but having a goal and a reason you're doing it yeah. definitely helps. Yeah, and just seeing how far you have come in the last five years is incredible. Mm, it's insane. Yeah. I, I like it's almost embarrassing to think back at how I was like. Not at all. I think the fact that you've been able to grow so much and get over something that was literally paralyzing to mm. you is just an incredible show of strength. Yeah. Just another pillar of strength of you because this whole journey you have just continued to rise. And look, I wonder if like once this is all done and dusted and, you know, needles aren't a requirement for many years, will I sink back into that position I was in previously where, you know, I was hysterical and all that kind of thing but I guess knowing that if that happens like you know let's say we fast forward and I have a baby and everything's fine and my life is going on normally and for whatever reason there's five years or so where I don't have to have a needle if I then have to start over I feel like at least I know I can do it yeah that's it right start from the drawing board all over again it's possible and I know it's possible yeah no that's awesome well done so you can do it people (laughs) i can do it you guys can do it yeah absolutely thank you so much ames you just i feel like you're giving so much to our listeners in terms of tools to move through this this journey and the fact that you have had the hardest version of this is just a testament to you as a as a person and how strong you are i just feel like we we need to talk about it like there's not been there's been a couple of great you know i guess fellow podcasters and sources and you know whether it be instagrammers or whoever it is there are a couple who are very vulnerable and open and honest about it but in all my research of trying to find someone on my path there's there's still a lot that's censored yeah you know there's still a lot where you're not getting the honesty and it can be a really lonely feeling like googling overcoming needle phobia for ivf Sometimes you just want to hear someone else's experience. Yeah. You don't want the clinical, you know, this is your percentage chance of things exactly. working. Yeah, the medicalised version can yeah. sometimes make it feel so impersonal. Yeah, you don't want a doctor to say, well, this is how it's... And it's just very methodical. Sometimes you just want to hear that someone else went through it yeah. and your feelings are valid. And, Absolutely. you know, the more people who go through it, the more normal it will feel. Yeah. And I think that's it for me. Like, if my journey can resonate with someone else who can go hey i've heard of this person i've heard of that person and i've heard of amy who's done this it becomes a more normal feeling absolutely and that's yeah. what it's about yeah build that community around you of people who are there to support you and say whatever it is that you're feeling it's valid you're not the only one yeah. and there's ways to move through it yeah exactly yeah well, thanks for joining us guys Thanks so much, guys. We will be chatting with you again in the next week. We've got lots of exciting things planned for you in the future, including our chat with our friend of the podcast, Em. Our lovely naturopath. She is a gem. We can't wait to have a chat with her for you guys to hear all about it. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye.